0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome, everyone, to our latest edition of BAM's Radio. Now, we are a little bit later this week uh, because of the Labor Day holiday. We are a day later, but we certainly are going to rehash Alabama's ultra-impressive Uh, first uh, season opening win, and I thought it really was impressive. I thought Alabama, and there was a a couple of rough spots, but I thought 55 to nothing over a pretty good Utah State football team was extremely uh, impressive by Nick Saban in Alabama, as this was already, uh, hard to believe, the 16th season opener for Coach Saban. Uh, But we're going to discuss it for the next hour, uh, as we always do on BAM's radio, and uh, we're going to do so with our uh, two experts and two great uh, you know, compatriots of mine, and that's Thomas the Wizard Watts in the uh, Port City of Mobile. He's, of course, producing this show, keeping us on the air, and, of course, doing a great job, as always, giving his statistical analysis and his takes on the game. And, of course, from 89 to 93, a national champion, William Redfish Barger, put on the uniform, always has interesting takes on the University of Alabama and Intel, and he is going to give us his thoughts as well. And we're looking forward uh, to some outstanding Crimson Tide conversation over the next hour. But 55 to nothing, Alabama wins. Just enough for them to work on in a first game before they head uh, to Steve Sarkisian's new stomping grounds, his second year at Texas. And that's going to be an interesting 11 a.m. kickoff. Already speculation about 95-degree temperatures. Uh, on fox next week and we'll talk a little bit about texas as well but we're going to discuss first what we saw on saturday and i was in bryant denny stadium and i know thomas and william were watching as well and we're going to get their thoughts now william uh, welcome back to bam's radio it's another season underway your initial thoughts on what you saw from alabama in that 55 to nothing win well i mean i think for a um
2: you know, week one opener, I I thought there was a lot of good things. Um, you know, there's, there's still some things that need to need to be improved and, and, you know, worked on, but, um, you know, I, I don't know if we're going to have a, um, you know, really a true handle for what kind of team this actually is until, you know, probably those back-to-back games against Arkansas and Texas A&M, you know, I, I think Texas has a, uh, you know, good enough skilled players, um, you know, to put up some, a little bit of points on Alabama. Uh, but I just don't think they match up very well on both sides of the line of scrimmage. And I don't know, you know, if that comes into play by halftime, the second half, but it's going to come into play at some point. Um, but obviously, you know, Texas isn't Utah state, you know, this is a You know, a team that gave up, uh, you know, 250 yards and six yards per carry to the football powerhouse known as UConn last week. Um, So, you know, in a a sense, I mean, I thought on offense, the skill players um, played extremely well. Um, I'd give every one of those guys an A. I loved seeing all the running backs and and the wide receivers get involved, obviously, You know, Prentice and Holden carried over, you know, what what all the scuttlebutt was that came out of the the scrimmages in August and the first game. You know, Bryce was phenomenal. Um, But, you know, I still think um, there's some questions that need to be answered on the offensive line. Um, I'd give them a B-minus, C-plus performance. I thought the run blocking um, against a really – Small, questionably athletic defensive front seven was very inconsistent at times, and to a lesser extent, I think there were multiple times that Bryce didn't, uh, you know, have a real clean pocket to operate out of when he was passing. Um, you know, see the hundred-yard scrambling; those weren't designed quarterback runs. Um, uh, but you know, all in all, I thought it was a, a you know a great team performance. If you want to flip over to defense. Um, they they made it pretty painful early on for for Utah State to get any momentum going. I know they had the, you know, the, the one deep shot that they connected on the first drive, but it wasn't like the coverage was bad. It was just a good play on the ball by the wide receiver. Um, but all in all, Drew, I mean, you know, um, you, you might want to clean up a few things on special teams, get that punt protection um, shored up a little bit. But all in all, I thought it was a really solid, um, you know, season opener for Alabama. Yeah,
1: I thought, it was, I thought it was as well. I mean, certainly I didn't think the run blocking was super consistent, but I wanted you to kind of comment on this. You played uh, at the University of Alabama, as we know, for five seasons, and I, I think a lot of times the run blocking is a work in progress. Usually uh, offensive lines have new pieces each year um, that, you know, usually you hardly ever return all five starters. And then we kind of saw surprise and we didn't know uh, the reasoning behind it until after the game, but we didn't see Emil Echior in the starting lineup at right guard. Uh, he had missed five days. We don't know why the speculation would be COVID or a sickness or something of that nature because of yeah. coach Saban saying he didn't practice for much of the last five days. Uh, but he, you know, we saw Kendall Randolph at right guard. We saw Javion and Cohen back in there at left, at left guard. And then we saw, you uh, you know, Kendall moved to the left guard spot that we were expecting. Eckior came in, I think, near the end of the first quarter at right guard. And it seemed to, uh, you know, what, be a move that sparked the offense even more. I thought the running game kind of came alive then. And, and personally, I, I agree with you. I, I, I certainly wish I could have, uh, you know, predicted the future and known that Bryce would be the first Alabama football player to go for 100 yards this season because I would have put every penny I have on it so I could have been rich. <laughs> but uh, I never would have thought that I'd see that uh, because, again, we we even lamented last year about how Bry- Bryce did not run a lot. and uh, And sometimes we thought he should use his mobility even more. And for the first time, we see him, and it was only five carries, but uh, he certainly exploded uh, five rushes for 100 yards, and, and uh, you know, and the and the touchdown, the last TD from four yards out. But I thought overall that uh, you know, it was still a really solid performance, no question about it. And, and again, uh, I thought that uh, Bryce did a really nice job of uh, running the offense. He looked like he was in complete control, uh, and the in the passing game didn't. He wasn't able to connect on the deep shots yet, but I think those are coming. Uh, and he just missed, uh, in one particular instance, I do remember he had uh, you know, uh, Jermaine Burton open uh, by a couple of yards and missed him. But again, I think that's going to come. But I will say, William, to, to go back to it, though, usually to me I've always felt like the running game and run blocking was something that gets better with repetition. How is that kind of – Uh, How does that process work with an O-line when you go from like game one to game two and then, uh, you know, and and so on?
2: Well, I mean, I think it'll certainly, you know, be a little bit more consistent, hopefully, you know, once they get, you know, the pieces settled into place as to how they're going to. Obviously, I think, you know, whether it was discipline, illness, you know, family emergency, whatever that caused uh, Ikior to miss five days of practice. Um, you know, once he's back in the starting lineup, and whoever ends up being the, um, you know, the starting left guard, I mean, that'll help a little bit. But I mean, what what's um, you know what you have to take into consideration here is is what Utah State was doing to that front last night mm. was exactly what all the teams that had success last year against Alabama's offense, you know, did to them. They were stunning. They were slanting. They were bringing blitzes. You know, this isn't the first time that bunch has seen it, and it's certainly probably going to be one of the least talented and athletic fronts to execute it against them. You know, that's why I'm saying let's wait and see, because you know Texas is going to have a better quality of athlete. Um, you know, and you know then you, know, you got Vanderbilt mixed in there and some other um, lower level team, and and I but I I've I got the Arkansas. Texas A&M circle back-to-back. I think that's what we're going to find out. Um, you know, in my opinion, I think it affects the deep ball chemistry between the quarterback and the wide receiver's um, consistency more so than what you should have seen, you know, last night from that offensive line and, you know, from a run-blocking standpoint. You know, if you take away Bryce's scrambling yards, you know, mm-hmm. it, was nothing to write, it was nothing to write home about. Um, I, I do think the running backs – um, you know, did an excellent job with with what they had to work with. I mean, um, everybody got to see what Gibbs is capable of. You know, the, the, probably the best news to me was watching Jason Roydell. um mm. you know, look, look like there's no lingering after effects, um, you know, from their knee injuries from last year. Um, you know, you got to see a little bit of Trey Sanders, got to see a little bit of Jamarion Miller, who I thought, you know, had a nice outing for himself. But, I mean, I think certainly um, when you start going around running back rooms um, in college football, I think Alabama's can stand up to anybody's. I think the, the Gibbs, Jace, Roydale, um, three-headed monster is going to be a difficult, you know, pro- prospect, especially if they, you know, get as creative as they did last night in certain aspects with the screen game. Um, And I I thought that was a nice adjustment by Bill O'Brien. People bitched about that uh, for the whole month of September last year when teams were, you know, doing the stunning, slanting, blitzing packages um, to bottle things up. They're like, why can't he throw some screens? Well, he did that last night. Um, So the the hate mail must have been well received. And, uh, you know, they were effective at it. I I think, you know, to me right now, I, I would have to you know in my mind it's a two-headed monster for me between jace and and gibbs um i think both of them are just so smooth as runners and and you know vice versa as receivers out of the backfield um and and you know when you see you know it was nice to see isaiah bond get in there yeah uh you know as early as he did you know he's a guy that you didn't hear much out of in fall camp and you know they've still got the you know, whenever the foot injury is 100%, they've still got, you know, Harrell they can add in there. Hopefully, Law too, um can, can go um, Saturday versus Texas. So it's, you know, it's still a lot of um, weapons on that offense and different ways that they can utilize them. But uh, I certainly haven't heard anybody bitching and
1: complaining about the play calling last night, which that's a welcome relief. Yeah, that is. I thought it was a well called game. I've always been a Bill O'Brien fan anyway. And, you're right. I mean, when you think about it, Tyler Harrell, we didn't see him at all. We did not see uh, Kamla, too. He, uh, you know, he dressed out but did not play. And then and from what I understand, he practiced for most of the week probably in a black jersey. But uh, I think he's going to be back for the Texas game. And so that'll be another, uh, you know, element of the offense. I did think Miles Kisselman did a nice job blocking and then uh, got, did make a catch. So he had a nice debut. Uh, you know, Robbie Oot struggled a little bit in the blocking aspect, but uh, he'll be a situational player all year. I think he'll be more of a flex and then a fullback, and they'll use him down on the goal line to block, even uh, at times uh, I, I to run some routes and and, and occupy a defender. Uh, you know, and maybe probably be a decoy most times. But again, uh, you know, that there's always going to be guys that struggle a little bit. It's probably the most. Robbie's ever played. He's never really been a first-team guy, but he was with the first-team offense, you know, th- uh, throughout this game. No question about it. Uh, but like you said, uh, and then you don't have Aaron Anderson uh, uh, either, who's still coming back from an injury, uh, and so I think he could end up being a, a bigger part, you know, of this offense. No doubt about it, or at least a, to, or at least be able to play. And you know, and I guess you, you could also say we may be burying the lead because. Once again, he caught the first ball. He had five catches for 60 yards, but Kobe Prentice looked like he had a really good feel for things. I really enjoyed watching him and, and the way he worked. Now, he did have one drop, and I thought that was uh, would have been a nice play, probably a first down. I thought it was probably one of the only real mistakes that was glaring from the receiver group. Uh, but, of course, he is a young player. And then Trayshawn Holden, you I think you mentioned it at the beginning of the show, uh, he came out and – what he did in the last scrimmage continued five catches, team high 70 yards, a couple of TDs, and some glowing comments uh, from Nick Saban, uh, you know, today uh, in the press conference. So, you know, because as, as everyone knows, we're, uh, you know, we're doing this a little later than usual. But, I mean, the, uh, it, but you have to you just be impressed totally uh, with, uh, you know, how he played and, and what he's been able to do. And uh, I, I know I certainly was. And uh, I think uh, when you look at it, uh, you know, uh, I think also uh, another uh, player that I was uh, ultra imp- impressed with as well, uh, you know, as far as the, the way he performed in his first game was Tyler Steen. Uh, I remember a guy that wasn't here, uh, you know, for a spring practice at all. And I really thought, William, go back to your point, And I'd like to hear your thoughts. Ah, uh, certainly, as you said, the running game is going to have to be more consistent. But I thought uh, J.C. Latham and Tyler Steen both uh, did a nice job in their first starts at right and left tackle, respectively, for that offensive line. No, and and I should have clarified that
2: earlier. And, and look, I'm I'm not trying to create some type of controversy that doesn't need to be discussed. Um, do, did I do I think what I saw last night was better than? What I saw most of the time in 2021, absolutely I did, but you have to factor in who they were playing, and I, but yes, I, I think J.C. Latham and Tyler Steen both did exceptionally well, and you know in their first starts for Alabama, I should say, um, in, in Steen's case, um, you know did did good in pass pro, um, you know I, I think J.C. Latham is is a monster in the making. I think by yeah. mid October. Um, you know, there again, he, he's got to pass that test of the increased competition. But I don't think it's going to be a huge stretch for him because he's getting the best competition he's going to see all year, every day in practice. But, I mean, that kid, you know, what he's done with his body um, and Tyler Steen as well. Um, you know, I don't know who he worked out with from the time he left Vanderbilt until the time he got to tuscaloosa this summer but if you go back and look at his pictures from last year at vanderbilt to what he looks like now um you know obviously that kid wants it and i was but i was pleased with uh with both of those guys um and uh yeah also too another guy that we didn't really mention um and then i think it was kind of be you know expected but you know because when he was healthy at georgia uh, Jermaine Burton was a very good wide receiver, and, and uh, you know I think he carried that over into last night. You can tell he's already got good chemistry with Bryce. And uh, but no, that that was um, something I should have clarified. I thought the um, you know the miscues and the the lack of push in the running game was was more so on the interior of the offensive line versus you know trying to lay it at the feet of Steen and Latham.
1: Yeah, I mean, exactly. I think the when you're rotating guys at guard the way they did, sometimes they're going to struggle. Though Darian Dauport, uh had a really high grade from the coaching staff, no pressures, no busts, and he was named uh, the SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. So got to give him credit because a lot of people wrote him off after uh, getting hurt last year, and, str- and he struggled a little bit with his snaps. And so many thought Seth McLaughlin would be the starter. Uh, he was not Dalcourt, I think will be there all year as long as he's healthy. Uh, certainly, uh, so the, it's we're, we and even Nick Saban said so after the game, and when he went on a depth chart rant, you know the, the and William kind of you brought it up uh, just a few minutes ago. The two guard slots will play themselves out. You know, I think Echior will be the right guard, but it's probably just going to be a competition, almost week to week, uh, between Kendall Randolph and JV and Cohen. So we'll see how that plays out. Certainly, and I was glad to see Booker, uh, you know, Damian George McLaughlin, uh, certainly all those guys, the second unit, uh, you know, Amari Kite, uh, get, uh, and then Cohen, uh, uh with uh, the second group as far as the O line because that needs to happen. You know, they, they've got to get reps, they've got to play, and so, um, just really. Uh, you know, uh, you, you want to get you want, And that was the thing that came out of this game. You've got a chance, uh, you know, to to uh, to, uh, you know, play a lot of players. And that's what you want to do. And I, I didn't see anybody get hurt like LSU, for example. The one thing you don't want to have. And they were the only team that embarrassed the league in the first week. Uh, you saw what Brian Kelly took over. Now, I've always said coaching matters and I still think so. But when you're having to clean up a mess left by Ed Ogeron, you still got a lot of discipline issues on that team. They look terrible. Their kicking game was awful. It really lost the game for them. Uh, Jaden Daniels, to me, is a a, a kind of a limited quarterback a little bit. Uh, And then Mason Smith, though, that's what I was going to talk about. He gets hurt on the first series and really just trying to celebrate with his team. So uh, injuries can happen anytime. So anytime you can – uh, you know, get a lot of guys in. It's good. And I thought defensively they rotated a lot of guys on the D-line. Jaheim Otis, I thought he played well for his first game. He was in there, I think, by the third series. Uh, they played at least six guys up front. And then they and then they started playing the backups, but I thought they were rotating them with the ones. And then I thought, you know, Will Anderson was Will Anderson. He didn't have any sacks, but you know, and, and Sark will probably do the same thing, but you know, when you, when you saw what uh, Utah State was doing, they were trying to get rid of the ball quickly. Uh, and then I knew they would test Alabama's corners. Uh, first play of the game, uh, they certainly uh, victimized, uh, you know, uh, you know, Terry on Arnold, but I thought he bounced back well. And then we saw all four of those guys play extensively. We saw Eli Ricks. We saw Kyrie Jackson, who probably had the hit of the game uh, during the game as well. So, I I thought all four of them did pretty well for themselves. Kool-Aid seemed to hold up really well, and and he had a couple of nice punt returns as well, and he had ball security, uh, so I thought defensively, really, there wasn't too much you could complain about, and William, uh, I thought it was big, uh, you know, certainly, the probably the most glaring mistake in the game was Alabama special teams giving up the block punt, I mean, you can't do that against a quality opponent, certainly, uh, you know, Jeff Banks and Texas are going to be watching that film, uh, trying to victimize Alabama, but I thought the defense uh, responded. All those backups that got in, we did see Brian Branch and Malachi Moore with those guys some, and even Jalen Moody. But I thought the backups played with a lot of pride, and I I was it was good to see them still get the shutout and still, you know, uh, and keep the the Aggies out of the end zone. And I'll give I'll give credit to Blake Anderson. He wouldn't be like some coaches that I've watched in Bryant Denny Stadium who of course would just settle for a field goal just so they could say they didn't get shut out. He, he just wanted his, he played a bunch of guys, a bunch of his guys, three quarterbacks, and just wanted them to, to try to score a touchdown. Uh, and they weren't able to execute it, but he knew they were overmatched, but he tried to get uh, some guys, some experience as well. But I just thought Alabama being able to go down to that second and third team they're, they there, you know, there's certainly a, a, you know, a, a drop off somewhat with the second group, but, you can still see the talent, and to me, the more you can play younger players, the better. That's the one thing I'll give, you know, uh, Kirby Smart credit for. And we saw it with Georgia, and the way they just eviscerated the overrated uh, Oregon Ducks. Is he played a lot of guys even last year, and we haven't seen Georgia drop off much defensively because of how many guys they played. And I hope Coach Saban. Uh, as his career, you know, continues at Alabama, starts doing the same thing. Because when you get in these games where you're hammering these people, uh, you need to play as many guys as you can. And Coach Saban said that in the game, He basically said, you know, we played a lot of guys. I wish we could have played more. But uh, I was happy to see, especially a lot of those young defensive guys get in, William.
2: Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to circle back around with the way you started um, the conversation. Uh, you know, I, I don't doubt brian kelly's x's and o's competency right um but but i still question whether he's the right guy from a cultural standpoint um obviously um there's there's a lot of discipline and dedication that's gonna have to be bought into i thought their offensive line Mm -hmm. um was a fat sloppy mess probably right the most in shape one was the true freshman, Will Campbell. He just hasn't been down there long enough to pick up the bad habits yet. Um, but but that that's my biggest question with, with Brian Kelly is, you know, he's never recruited in a, um, you know, highly competitive and, and, you know, sometimes just filthy environment like recruiting is in the Southeast. Um, we'll see how that pans out for him. But um, that, that was just, I mean, when you look at the just, you know, I think Greg McElroy put it best last night. I mean, the targeting call on Gay um was one of the worst, most obvious ones I've seen in a long time. Um you can just tell that team just still doesn't have the discipline it's gonna take to be a championship caliber team and you know, probably not, you know, the the talent at certain positions. I do think they're probably gonna have to, like you said, Drew, look at a different quarterback. And, and along those same lines, two two guys that I should have mentioned earlier when I was talking about Tyler Steen's body transformation on the second team offensive line for Alabama, um, you know I think Tyler Booker and Damian George can be thrown into that boat as well. Um, you know Tyler Tyler Booker's lost all of his baby fat and and a little bit of a you know thick waist that he had, and Damian George has really streamlined his body. You know, obviously couldn't really tell last night with the way the game was when they came in. You know, his big struggle last year was in pass protection. You know, didn't get to see a lot of that versus good competition. But but certainly, at least on the hoof, um, looks like a different player than he did last year. Um, as far as the defense, um, you know, when, when an offense is doing, and that's why I think what makes – you know, what Will Anderson has done throughout his short career and, and what Dallas Turner did last year, um, you know, against these offenses and quarterbacks that get the ball out of their hands so fast, um, you know, that makes it much more difficult to put a quarterback on the ground. Um, and and I love seeing how, uh, um, you know, all the DBs that got to play. Um, yeah, I thought it was a very clean, I thought Timmy Smith, um, you know, flash several times at defensive tackle um, to go along with the ones that you've already mentioned. Um, and, 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 you know, a guy that, you know, I, I think, you know, the fan base and certainly even based on the depth chart going into this game, it's drawn some criticism. I thought yesterday might have been the best game I've seen Justin a bogey play. Um, you know, he was very consistent, disruptive. Um But to me, I felt like the best thing that I saw on defense was all those corners getting in and getting reps, uh, you know, getting some experience under their belt. You know, I thought based on, you know, the practice reports and how he's kind of, you know, quote unquote, struggled with the playbook. I thought Rick's um, played very physical um and you know kind of established a presence out there so on the defensive side of the football I mean I really think it was you know they they treated an overmatched less talented team the way they should have been
1: treated yeah I I think they did too uh, no doubt about it I think they handled it in a very professional way Uh, I thought it showed good internal leadership I didn't think Alabama was focused on Texas at all I thought they were Focused on the task at hand of eviscerating, you know, Utah State, and I picked fifty-two to three, so I thought we were going to see this kind of beat down. And I know, uh, Thomas, you did as well. You pre- you predicted this was going to be an ugly game. We're going to bring you into the conversation. What are the areas that stood out to you as you watched this game uh, as Alabama uh,
0: took apart Utah State? So, for when I look at these games, I look at. Where the drop off happens, the first team was great all over the place. Uh, I completely understand the notion of this offensive line has to come together, but I always flash, and I'm going to use Williams' words against him that uh, and that 2012 Western Kentucky game where the Alabama's offensive line <laughs> gave up an absolute ocean of sacks. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying that this offensive line is going to be that offensive line. I'm not going quite that far. But it is a work in progress, but I think that's going to at least evolve into something where you're not, like, throwing drinks at televisions, you know, halfway through a football <laughs> game. So, you know, that, that, you, that was kind of an expectation, but still, Alabama – Scored on nine straight drives. I can't remember that happening. I mean, I realize the 2020 offense was insanely special. But the thing that really jumped out to me, though, Drew, was Alabama's defensive performance. We've said on this program multiple times, when it comes to the Pete Golding-led Alabama defenses, they're slow to start. They, They struggle to put it together for a little while. And then about halfway through the season, they really, really pick it up and they get much, much better. I would argue that Alabama's defense was at least in the same realm as Georgia's by the end of last season. And we know how well Georgia's defense was thought of. So this defense didn't start slow. It started extremely fast. I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. Utah State had 136 total yards, and only 57 of those were passing yards. And over, like, and what like three-fifths of them were on one long play. I don't know what else you can ask for for this Alabama football team. It's something that, yes, Alabama's going to get better. Yes, there's some things that you have to get cleaned up. You know, you've already talked about the special teams, the deep ball, and – than the offensive line continuing to gel. But having said all of that, this is one of the more complete games that Alabama has played in recent memory. I realize it was an extraordinarily overmatched opponent, but Alabama did what they should have done. They went out, and by you know halfway through the second quarter, the game was completely over. And there weren't these weird mental lapses from anybody on the first unit. And so onward to Texas, which I think Texas is going to be an interesting one because I think Sarkisian really, really knows what he's about in terms of offensive game planning. But does Texas have the horses where it matters to go shot for shot with this Alabama team? I have serious doubts. But... You know, coming out of this first game, Drew, I can't get upset with how Alabama looked, particularly when it was the ones out there. So I think that this team's ceiling is still very, very high. And it's not wholesale changes that need to be made, it's little tweaks. And a lot of those little tweaks are just going to come with in-season repetitions so I think it's worth it to be very excited based on what we saw this past weekend in Tuscaloosa Drew
1: yeah no doubt I mean there's no question about that I would agree um, you know I think when you look at it I offensively to me I think uh the if you wanted to I, I would say the, the MVP was Bryce Young I think he you know, whenever you rush for a hundred and, and and a touchdown, and then you throw five, most of them were red zone TDs, but they were very efficient in the red zone. Uh, you know, Alabama had to settle for a couple of field goals, but in that in a way, that's good because Will Riker looked like a machine. I mean, he was ten for ten on kickoffs where they weren't returned, uh, and then he did his job, and then he kicked a uh, you know a forty five yard field goal, and then I believe a thirty three yarder. So. He did his job with the kit with the uh you know, the kicking game. And uh and I think also, you know, William brought it up. Trayshawn looked really good. Uh, and then I'd say the unsung heroes offensively were how smooth Gibbs and, and Jace McClellan looked. Jace didn't get a ton of touches, but he scored two touchdowns on both of his catches and it's that's something we've reiterated in the off season was how big a loss Jace was during the season last year because of the myriad of different things he can do, uh, and and while I like Roy Dell Williams, I really do, and and while I like, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, Trey Sanders, there's there's a drop off from those two to you know uh, from the 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 top two guys. I mean, I think one and two, and literally number one and number two, Jason McClellan and 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 uh, Jameer Gibbs, are as good a combination as there is in the country. Uh, I'm gonna be anxious to see. As the season wears on, you know how Alabama, uh, you know, gets JoJo Earl back in this lineup, Aaron Anderson, Tyler Harrell, you know, and certainly we've already mentioned Latu. So that's four weapons they didn't have to use, but I'm glad because it allows them to uh, create depth offensively as well. I I I'll go back to Kobe Prentice and what he did. Uh, William brought up a great point about Isaiah Bond and. You know, and I'll go back to my other negative. I know he was nine for 11, and I'm talking about Jalen Milroe But the deep ball, he I don't think he has the arm to, to, uh, to stretch defenses in the SEC because Bond would have been gone for a touchdown. He was three yards behind the guy, and it was like a punt, and it was intercepted. Uh, and he did make some good throws now. I'm not saying he didn't, but I think we all understand uh, that – when if he if he had to start, God forbid, Bryce Young gets injured, they're going to have to run a zone read type scheme. He did do some good things with his legs, but I, they take away a lot of the RPOs and the short stuff. And you're going to have to be able to stretch the field. And I, I'm just not sure uh, that, that, that Jalen Milrow can do that. I I think he's improved, uh, you know, in his two years at Alabama. Certainly with his reads, uh, and, and 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 you know, at times he does make wild throws but then he makes hospital throws because he got uh, Kendrick Law jacked up on a third and five and it was a four yard catch, you know, route and catch because the way he threw the ball late. So I know he's a young player, but I'm just saying, we didn't see much of Ty Simpson. He took over the middle of a a series and he had one good throw. I still think Ty's the future, uh, but I I still wouldn't mind seeing Milrow uh, used at times in a specialty role. We'll have to, wait and see if that happens. And they certainly weren't going to show it against Utah State. But I do think, though, this Utah State team is a bowl team. Uh, I'm, I would agree with William. They're totally overmatched, and I agree with you as well. I, I'm not going to say that they're going to win 11 like they did last year and they beat a couple Pac-12 teams. And by the way, the Pac-12 sucks. I said it, and I'll say it again, because the Gators, who I think are an 8-4 team, beat the supposed best team in their league. So I don't think the Pac-12 is very good. I'm not even sure USC is. But, I mean, I'll say that. But I just I, I do think that, uh, that Alabama needs Bryce Young to be healthy, no question about it, because these other two quarterbacks don't have a lot of experience. Uh, but, again, I just thought offensively, probably besides the running game, the run blocking being more consistent, I still was a little worried about Milro because of the lack of the deep ball. But I, I do, I, I did like the fact that they got Law in, they got Bond in, they got Prentice. They're playing these freshman receivers, uh, certainly. And, and I think that that bodes well for the future because uh, we didn't see Tayu Jones Bell. He's been a little banged up, but he's probably going to get passed on the depth chart anyway. Uh, but again, I think right now, while they may not have the, the Devontae Smiths of the, right now or the Jerry Judy's or the Henry Ruggs or or a Jalen Waddle, I think they're very, very solid, and I, you know, and I'll and I'll take what Sean Holden did all day. But if he does this the rest of the year, this will mean he's probably going to be an All SEC type receiver, and that just goes to show you, William, that Trayshawn was playing in front of a, or excuse me, behind a lot of really good football players. And plus, I get kind of tired of the mantra that I hear from people talking about Holman Wiggins doesn't develop talent. They act like damn Devontae Smith came out of Louisiana uh, not 140 pounds and that he was already a damn All American wide receiver. All these dudes, Jerry Judy included, uh, Ruggs, uh, you know, uh, Waddle, they all had to be developed. And I still think, much like Billy Napier was kind of poo pooed, they poo pooed, uh, they're poo pooing Wiggins sometimes. And I think Holman Wiggins has done a nice job at Alabama.
0: Can no, I just jump in? Yeah. Can, can, I, can I jump in? I'm going to bash some fans here. Um, Alabama fans are spoiled brats in many cases, and th- there, there is a segment of Alabama's fan base that if you gave them a steak dinner, they'd be pissed you didn't include a lobster tail. That's how they act <laughs> with this team. And it's like, guys, okay, you think this is bad? You think this is bad? Look at what Alabama might get into after Nick Saban goes away. Because he, he, he's not he's not a cyborg, at least not yet. and But, yeah, go ahead, William. I'm sorry. I just had to jump in with that. No, no, no. It, the, the, no some, it, I, I, the coach criticism just sets me off sometimes. Well, I mean, you're making me feel guilty here for wanting a little surf with my turf when I go to a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, you're successful <laughs> enough. You could pay for it. But, you know.
2: but but now I I was going to go go back to what Thomas was saying I'm certainly not trying to turn this into the the 2012 debacle versus Western Kentucky and and I'm just basically piggybacking off of what I saw and what coach Saban put out in the media today you know he, he was quoted as saying that the run blocking was inconsistent and that's you know maybe I'm taking it one step further I don't know but that's that's basically all I'm saying and You know, I'm not trying to say it was Western Kentucky at all. I mean, that was a a seven-sack performance. Five of them were given up by one Danny Danny Jesus Fluker. But that was against a guy that played four or five years in the NFL and was a third or a fourth-round draft pick. Um, Obviously, the pass protection wasn't a huge issue last night. I just thought versus a front seven that probably didn't average 250 pounds, um, you would have seen a little bit more bullying going on. Um, but no, going back to, um, Wiggins for a minute, I mean, I think he's done a great job. I mean, you know, since that, um, you know, that, that slew of wide receivers, you know, and I think there were some, you know, there's been some misses just like there's been some misses on the offensive line and, and, everywhere else in recruiting, um, you know, one of them's basically fixing the flame out at Texas. Um, like, like Drew mentioned, there's some guys that are getting passed on the, uh, um, you know, the depth chart probably with this infusion of young players. Uh, but no, last year's recruiting class from a wide receiver standpoint, um, was one of the better overall classes of a position that I think Nick Saban has brought in. Um, you know, I think he's got a chance this year, um, you know, depending how he finishes from top to bottom, this, this has a chance to be possibly is best overall class, um, you know, with the way things are going right now in recruiting, that's still to be determined. Um, but no, I mean, it, it's just to, to you know, because I think, Drew, you've got two different segments of the Alabama fan base and I'm at the age where I kind of fall in between both of them. <laughs> you know, you've got the ones that are, you've got the ones that are parents' age um, you know, that, that lived through the Bryant years. Um, and then you've got the ones that are, you know, uh, late twenties to, to probably 40 now, um, that have, that have lived through the Nick Saban era. Um, but no, I, I remember the Mike years. Um, you know, I, I remember watching games being giveaway, given away. I remember, you know, the honk if you sack Brody game. So, um, you know, I, I, I'm not gonna ever be overly critical because I know how hard it is on a week to week basis to maintain a standard and, and maintain a level of performance. But um, you know, you, you need to kinda you know, especially when you're being critical of, of a coach, uh, the head guy or the position coaches, you know, look at the overall body of work, not just one recruiting class. Um you know, th- th- there again, you know, th- they wouldn't have brought Tyler Steen in from Vanderbilt if there hadn't been several misses at the offensive tackle position uh, with some bad evaluations coming out of high school. So, you know, it happens to the best of them, and um, you know, it can happen to the greatest of all time from time to time. But, you know, certainly from a uh, a consistency standpoint,
0: it doesn't happen very often.
1: Well, and I was going to go back One, to Thomas. Yeah. And, if One if more thing on
0: the on the coaches' stuff. And this is sure, really the problem I have. Okay, so let's say Holman Wiggins ain't it. Just, just, I'll accept your premise as valid. But the follow on question is who else do you want to get? Outside of, like, who's been better in college football outside of Brian Hartline at Ohio State? And he's not coming to Alabama. That is, no. That just, just bury that thought. And so that's really the problem. Does Holman, is Holman Wiggins perfect? No, but he's one of the cleanest, dirty shirts in the room. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. But go ahead, Drew. I'm sorry.
1: No, I was going to get you in, your, in, uh, in our last uh, few minutes of this. I was going to get uh, you and William's thoughts. You first, Thomas, on Texas. Uh, they win 52-10 to over a future Alabama opponent in a couple weeks. And that's Terry Bowden and Louisiana Monroe, 52-10. to uh, We saw Quinn Ewers, uh, you know, he, he gets his first start, 16-24, 225. Two touchdowns and a pick. Hudson Card played in mop-up duty, four or five for twenty-four yards. But the, it's but the uh, the triumvirate for Alabama to stop, obviously, uh, is Bijan Robinson. Uh, he had ten rushes for seventy-one and a touchdown. Uh, you know, long carry of twenty-one yards. He was a great player last year, over a thousand yards. Uh, and then, of course, Xavier Worthy, who didn't touch the ball nearly as much as he's probably going to be slated to against alabama and he also returns kicks as we've already said so xavier worthy is a guy alabama wanted he's a very uh explosive athlete uh and then they had uh you know uh their tight end Jatavian sanders sophomore from denton texas he had 85 yards uh receiving and we know sark likes to include the tight end he did at alabama quite a bit but i i I go back though to what william said at the start of the of the show I think it's a mismatch on the lines of scrimmage. I don't think Texas is still really good on the O-line or D-line, and they're not going to have Alfred Collins. We now know J. little Worthless, a.k.a. J. Lil Billingsley, has been suspended. Uh, what we believe is for an NCAA-related drug test failure, at least that's what I'm strongly hinting at, uh, for the six games he's been suspended from his time at Alabama. And then the Jai Hall, I know he was on the sidelines but did not play in the last game. Wouldn't be shocked if he does not play in this one either, but uh, just uh, first, Thomas, I'll get your thoughts, your your initial thoughts on Texas and and uh, what we may see. I'm predicting 48 to 13. I think this is still a mismatch, and I think this Alabama team has been waiting on this showcase uh, to go to Texas and to uh, show the world how good they are. But uh, your thoughts on uh, seeing the Alabama's old offensive coordinator, Steve Sarkeesian, and and Kyle Flood, Jeff Banks, and A.J. Milwee, and all these guys uh, that were closely connected with Alabama football.
0: So the line in this game is Alabama by 20, and the over-under is 62. That means Vegas sees 41-21 kind of game. I could buy that. I think that Steve Sarkeesian is good enough as an offensive mind to put stress on the Alabama defense. But honestly, Drew, you did steal most of my thunder. And I mean this, you know, I'm giving, this is very just ribbing you. If you look at what Texas has to fix, it's all in the trenches. And if you look at the Texas recruiting class, you look at the activity in the transfer portal and other things, it's all about trying to get the lines of scrimmage better. And honestly, if this game was the first week of November, I think Texas has a much better shot because. But there's still a lot of pieces and parts that are moving around on those offensive lines on on the lines that they just they haven't played much at Texas. So when that is the reality. You're going to have to figure out what to do with Will Anderson. You're going to have to figure out what you do with Dallas Turner. The interior defensive line was not bad. I I realized it was against Utah State, so let's pump the brakes before we're saying, you know, we have Quinn and Williams 2.0 coming over. But that's where the game's going to be lost. And really, here's going to be the thing that jumps out to me. Texas has been a very B. Robinson forward team. Bijan Robinson was heavily leaned on throughout last year, and he was great for the Texas Longhorns. But what happens if he gets bottled up? I, uh, Utah State averaged 2.7 yards per carry, and I bet if you had some fun with math, it was even worse when it was ones-on-ones. On ones. So, you know, what happens when that part of the Texas offense is completely stymied and Quinn ears who is probably going to be a really good quarterback is told throw on a secondary. That's as good as any you've seen period, including when you were at Ohio state, that's really where I think the game starts to break down. And that's where I think Texas is really going to struggle. I don't particularly care that it'll be 95 degrees in Austin, Texas. I'll be at the game. So I'll be sweating. Oh, there you go. But I don't think that's going to bother this Alabama Crimson Tide team. Anybody who has ever been to Tuscaloosa before, like, October 1st and after, like, April 1st knows that Tuscaloosa is the hottest, wettest, coldest, driest place on earth. So that's not going to bother the team. And I think this could end up being a game where – you know, Texas is going to do some things that's going, to be, that's going to present problems to the University of Alabama. They've got enough talent, particularly at the skill positions, to make it work. But I don't think they're going to be able to, to sustain for four quarters. I've got Alabama winning 45-17. They're going to cover, but it's not going to be as, you know, as, as brutal as this previous game. And it absolutely could be one of those things where how do you get, you know, a 49-3 like what Georgia did to Oregon? You get that by if Quinn Ewers blinks against a very good Crimson Tide defense and the game gets out of hand before Texas even gets going. Because that's really what happened when Georgia played Oregon. It, you know, Bo Nicks was able to move the ball a little on that Georgia defense, but too many critical mistakes, and then the avalanche happened and the game was over. If something like that happens against Texas, we'll see but i really think alabama is going to win based on particularly the strength of the defensive line and that that's going to really really tell where alabama is going to be able to lean on the texas defense itself and because of that i expect alabama to come away with a victory and you know programming note since i'm going to texas we're going to have to do bams a little bit later again but i'll keep that up with the bams radio twitter account well he,
1: uh, we appreciate that, and I uh, hope you have safe travels to Austin. I'm certainly going to be watching it in front of my buddy's 86-inch TV, and I'm sure William's going to be watching on TV as well. So, William, your thoughts on uh, the matchup? Uh, I I know you like Alabama in this game. Sark certainly knows Alabama's personnel, and I was surprised. He kind of let the cat out of the bag today to the media and said that the game plan was done three months ago. I don't know if I would have let you know that cat out. Uh, the because that's kind of bulletin board material for Alabama. But uh, your thoughts of, uh, about this matchup?
2: Well, I mean, I've got two comments on something that you and Thomas said on, on, on separate issues. I mean, A, Drew, are you actually going to fail to mention the biggest Bammer assistant boogeyman of all time that works for Texas now? In,
1: in, in one Bo Davis? Yeah, Bo Davis. I didn't even mention Bo. You're right about that. We and really and then
2: Thomas. And then Thomas. I don't know if Quinn Evers was in Columbus, Ohio, long enough to even get his eighty-five thousand dollar pickup truck's oil changed. <laughs> um,
0: that, that's fair. I'll give you that.
2: <laughs> so, but no, I I totally agree with what both of y'all said. And and you know, whether it's forty-eight to thirteen, forty-eight to seventeen, it's it. I think that's ex pretty damn close. Um, to where this game's going to fall, and, you know, I, I'll just say this, if I was Sark sometime in the first two drives, you know, I'd dial up a wheel route to Mr. Robinson and, and see if Pete and, and Moody and Toa Toa have learned how to cover a wheel route, um, but that that's really, you know, and I haven't gotten to see them play this year yet, but, I mean, that's basically what you're looking at. Um, they've got a really good young quarterback that's, not seen what he's fixing to see Saturday. Um, I do think they're running back and they're, you know, they're one wide receiver worthies is as good as, you know, anybody at those positions in college football. Um, you know, especially when you consider what Bijan has done behind a less than stellar offensive line throughout his career at Texas. But, and again, I don't think the heat's going to be a factor for Alabama. Um, they, they've been tortured in it all summer. Um, you know you've got the fan base worked up into a foamed lather because there wasn't enough tickets provided for the million dollar band to go to this game so that that's going to be bitched about all week on the radio um uh, but but I just think you know where it counts um you know Alabama's just better on both sides of the line of scrimmage you know it could come as early as the second quarter I think uh you know when when this thing starts to get away from Sark but you know, he's a good enough play caller where I do think he's gonna, you know, put up a few points against Alabama. Um, and again, you know, when you consider the environment, first game on the road, um, you know, we'll see how uh, you know the Alabama offensive line performs um, against you know an uptick in competition. You know obviously this isn't Texas a and m's front seven but it's certainly gonna be better than what they saw Saturday but I don't think Alabama's gonna you know struggle um to to put this game away and it could be put
1: away as early as halftime it was an interesting weekend because they did have a couple of official visitors and Jalen Hale visited uh from Longview Texas and uh there's buzz that Alabama's been leading but he's still got to visit Texas next week and they've been the preconceived favorite, but I think Alabama has uh, you know, turned up the heat on him. I think they'd really like to get him as the final wide receiver piece to the puzzle after they saw him in camp, and then he's also going to visit uh, Texas A&M as well, so Jalen Hale is going to be a guy to watch. I know his father had a lot of good things to say, uh, and Jalen's visited Alabama three times, and he'll get to see Alabama's offense against Texas this time. Uh, and certainly Alabama was playing a lot of young guys offensively, which I think has to kind of put a feather, uh, you know, in in their cap a little bit. And then, uh, as we said, Alabama had a basketball, uh, official visitor as well. And that is, uh, Davin Cosby, uh, from word of God, uh, in, uh, North Carolina, he's got, you know, Alabama in his top four. Uh, and so we're going to monitor that as well. And, he's going to make his decision in the next few weeks, but uh, he's still got to go on another visit or two uh, because he's, uh, he he had uh, Alabama was probably about the third visit uh, that he's put, that he has uh, uh, gone on. So Bama, Virginia and Tennessee along with Wake Forest is probably his top four. And he's still going to try to, uh, you know, visit NC state as well. So we'll have to kind of monitor uh, that basketball situation, but, uh, certainly, uh, they ended up with uh, you know uh, some uh, other some younger prospects visiting as well uh, uh, for and during for as far as the football side goes. But I usually just focus on the 2023 kids, and and Hale was the one to focus on from Longview, and so it'll be interesting to see if Alabama continues uh, to keep a lead with that kid. Uh, certainly, but and we'll monitor that. But uh, you know, I'll, but I, I will say I, I think. Uh, this is, I'm anxious to see how this Alabama team takes, you know, this road trip. It's an 11 a.m. kick. I'm, I'm still very, very impressed with the internal leadership of this group. And I still think that Sark's got a ways to go with this Texas team and how talented they need to be to compete with the likes of an Alabama. And uh, like I said, I know we, we all are pretty much on the same page. I'm going to stick with 48 to 13. I do think Sark will move the ball in Alabama and, Cash in, uh, maybe on a touchdown drive and a couple of field goals is the way I've got it. But I still think Alabama defensively, with their experience and with Pete Golding, uh, you know, uh, they, see, people aren't talking about this. Well, you know, certainly Sark knows Alabama, but Alabama knows Sark. And so I think uh, the, the talent differential is going to play a big part in this and the Alabama's veteran coaching staff and certainly Bill O'Brien uh, with the, being in another year in the, with this offense and. Uh, I'm anxious to see how Eric Wolford's offensive line improves from game one to game two. But certainly I I like Alabama quite a bit in this game. And I think, uh, you know, I think they're going to play well and they're going to uh, march on. And then we'll have Louisiana Monroe and then Vanderbilt before we'll finally get to what William talked about. And that's going into the second month. And you've got back to back Arkansas and Texas A&M. And William, I'll say this. I didn't get to see a lot of it in the press box at Bryant-Denny Stadium, but I saw some of the game. I thought Cincinnati still had a really good football team under Luke Fickle, though they lost a lot of talent. And I thought that was a really good win for Arkansas to find a way to outlast a Cincinnati team and and a coach in Luke Fickle that I think is one of the most underrated in the country. Well, uh, uh,
2: uh, Uncle Uncle Luke gave the game away, Drew, since you didn't get to see – the whole game, I mean, there was just tons of delay of games. And, you know, they got into the red zone a couple of times and, and kind of penit, their way from touchdown opportunities to field goals. But, you know, look, no doubt, I mean, Sam Pittman has done a tremendous job. I, I thought he, um, you know, kind of made his statement last year with some signature SEC wins. And, you know, they've they've got, I can't remember the guy's name. They've got one nasty looking defensive tackle. Um, They put a lot of pressure on Cincinnati's quarterback yesterday, Um, you know, executed pretty well on offense. I'm still not as sold on uh, the quarterback as a lot of people are. I think Alabama's got a chance to rattle him and get him out of rhythm. Mm -hmm. Um, He he looks like he's slimmed down a little bit. He looks like he's closer to 230 to me than 250 like he was last year. But, you know, you don't want to jump ahead from, from the big matchup, and I was just thinking, man, that's going to be an early uh, wake-up call Saturday for for the boys. I mean, they, they want to be at the stadium four hours before kickoff, which that's 7 a.m., so they're probably going to be getting woke up out of bed to eat the pregame meal at 5 a.m., so um, please don't stay up all night on the damn Xboxes and the Playstations, because um, it's, it's going to be an early kickoff, and, you know, as far as you know, weather wise, you know, a pretty rough morning from a, uh, a heat standpoint. It will
1: be, but we certainly won't be having to get up at 5 a.m. to record Bounds. We'll be recording it a little later, as Thomas said, because he's going on this road trip. Uh, but we certainly uh, have, we're very impressed with Alabama's season opener, uh, season opening win uh, against Utah State, uh, 55 to nothing win. And we will review this Alabama road trip, their first of the season to Austin, Texas. <laughs> next week on BAMS radio and Thomas Watts will keep you up to date on the BAMS, uh, you know, uh, Twitter account as to when we will be publishing that episode, but we wish Thomas nothing but the best as far as travel. And for William Redfish Barger and Thomas, the wizard Watts, I'm Rudy Armand. I hope you've enjoyed our review of Alabama as we give the Crimson Tide high marks for their win over the Utah state Aggies and Blake Anderson. But we will be reviewing Alabama's uh, hopeful dominating win in Austin against Steve Sarkeesian and the Texas Longhorns. But for everybody, we appreciate the continued support of BAMS Radio and for Thomas the Wizard Watson, William Redfish Barger. I'm Grudy Armin. Good night, everybody, and Roll Tide. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?